Well, get your Bibles out and go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. I got a question for you. And this is kind of a trick question, so don't jump up and scream and holler. It's, it really is not. But I want you to think, and we're going to talk a lot in a minute about thinking. What does healing look like? What does prosperity look like? What does a better life look like? Thank you. It's right. What happens is, is this is something that I began to think about, is that when you say something from the pulpit, you use a word. It isn't that everybody has a different definition because they don't. But one person, to, now let me back up and use myself. When I got born again, I was so far in debt, prosperity to me was a job, a car that ran, and enough money to go out to a fast food restaurant once a week. That would have been massive for me. And it happened in a, in a year after I got saved and started tithing, I bought a new car. God blessed me. It was a Honda Civic. Didn't have AC in it. Had an AM radio. I mean, but you understand for me, that was prosperity. So whenever a preacher's preaching on prosperity, what do you think I'm seeing? That, that's what I'm seeing. But yet other people would see something completely different. My definition of prosperity now has changed. We have a 1,800 square foot house that we bought not because we like the house, but because we love the location on the lake, the second cleanest lake in, in, in probably the state of Florida, Lake Ola. It's 400 acres. We're right on the end of it. We can see the whole lake. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, the house, we got it at a time when the guy that owned it was slap desperate. And we bought it. We stole it. Um, and Lisa got the bright idea that it wasn't big enough, so now I'm remodeling it. In case you all want to know what I was doing today in 97-degree heat, I was, I was raising, I got to raise the a fireplace up three feet, and I put a cap on it today. So for all practical purposes, I'm done with it in the name of Jesus with the fireplace. Amen. The windows and doors go in soon, but we're, we're, we're tripling the size of our bedroom, doubling the size of our living room, and making the house livable to us. Now, to a lot of people, and even that, I've got my sights higher. And, and um, I've actually had times in my life that I backed off believing for prosperity because when you're a pastor, it seems to be a big deal to everybody how much money you make. They don't say anything about the mafia. They don't say anything about anybody else. But they do. So to me, I just backed off. So some, sometimes you can limit God by your own thinking. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about, uh, anyway, Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 1. And we're talking about heat. We're talking about the prayer of faith. Whatever you desire, you desire. Think about that for a minute. You Desire, whatever, not what God desires, what you desire. When you pray, believe it's granted and you'll have it. Now, that's a powerful statement for Jesus to make. Now, we, here, the, one of the reasons I'm preaching this is that I've seen 
a lot of prayer failure. People pray, nothing happens. Why is that? Did God let them down? No, he didn't. We know he didn't. We know, we know that's the right answer. But we also don't really know why did this person who's a good person, not, we're not talking somebody not living for God. We're talking about somebody living for God didn't get the prayers answered. That's a big deal. That's, those, those are questions. I don't think God's hiding that from us, is he? I think he wants us to know. I think he wants you to know. How do you get your prayers answered? I want you to know something. There is a law called the law of faith. I want you to think about what I just said. Faith is a law. It works exactly the same way every time. If you don't understand the law of something, it won't work for you. Let's, let's take flying airplanes. For years, the law called the law of lift has always been true. It's always been true. It's always been a law. But it wasn't until someone found out how that law works did it begin to work. Now, you all want to know how it works? Would you like to know how an airplane flies? I'll do it very simple. The top of the wing bows, the bottom of the wing's flat, right? The wind coming over the wing is the same speed. It meets at the tail end of the wing at the same time, which means that the wind going over the wing has to go faster. Means the molecules spread out and become thinner. And the heavier air shoves the, the plane up into the lighter air, and it creates lift. That works every time you do it. If the wing is big enough to handle the weight, it'll lift it. Now, that's not a matter of your prayer. That's a matter of you understanding law. So if faith is a law, we're not, we're not laying around waiting on God. Okay, faith is the substance, it's the proof of what you're dreaming about, hoping for, and what you have a confident expectation of. So here's my question. When you pray, what do you see? What do you see? Because that's where you're going. You will always go where you're looking. Yep. Now, God created you this way because we think nobody thinks words. I say, dog, you don't think D-O-G. You have a picture. Now, if I want you to think of a different, I say a big dog. What if I say a collie dog? What if I say Timmy and Campbell's soup? Now, some of y'all didn't get that. You know, I'll explain it. What if I say Lassie? Your image is changing as I'm giving you, but you're thinking pictures. So we've got to understand that God created you like him in this fashion. Think, and you see things that you cannot see. Fear is seeing something 
that hasn't happened but could. The doctor says something, you go, oh, God, I'm dead. You're seeing death. You're seeing failure. You see. So words paint pictures, good or bad. But we are acting on those words, which is faith or fear, all the time. So what is faith? What is it? Faith is putting substance to hope. You want to go to heaven? You talk to a person that doesn't know Jesus and you say, would you like to go to heaven? They go, well, yeah. How are you getting there? Well, I'm pretty good. And you take them over and show there's none good and no, not one. And they go, oh, that's not good. And you say, yeah, but I want to show you something. And you go into the word of God, which is his words, and you show them John 3, 16, Romans 10, 9, and 10. And, they, and, you, and what you're doing is you're painting a picture for them that they want to know they're going to heaven when they die. That's hope. And then you give them a scripture that says, I'm going to show you have that. That's putting faith with hope. Right? And you get them born again. They get saved. One, how many times has that not worked? It always works. Why do we think that when it comes to healing, it isn't working? I'm going to tell you where the problem is. The problem is not in the faith. Because almost everybody I pray for believes in healing. I'm going to tell you where the problem is. The problem is in your hope. I'm praying for you and you're seeing everything get worse. Faith is the substance of nothing. We're putting faith into nothing. And, it, and, that's, and it's working. A man one day and was talking about, uh, he said, how come God hasn't filled me with the Holy Ghost? And I, I told him, I said, I don't know. I just looked, I don't know. And the Lord spoke to me, and I said, have you ever asked him to fill you with the Holy Ghost? He said, yes. I said, did he? He said, no. I said, so he lied. He said, I didn't say that. I said, yes, you did. And, he, and I, I said, did you ask him? He said, yes. Did he? No. I said, he lied. He said, I didn't say that. I said, yes, you did. I mean, in other words, I'm like a broken record until this, this guy finally stopped, and I said, did you ask him? He said, he said, you ask, he'll give it to you. Did you ask him? He gave it to you. And he's standing there, and I said, have you ever seen yourself speaking in tongues? No. He's waiting for it to happen to believe it. You don't see it. You, do you not see this? Once I got him to see that he answered his prayer, he sees that he has it. He started talking in tongues. So, so God is limited by your thought life. We hinder God by the way we think. And a lot of times we're praying for people who aren't thinking right. And we really need to get their thinking straightened out so that they can get their prayer answered. You talk about, you know, listen, I've had people, I've preached on prosperity and they got excited and, and put money in the offering. I've had people get them and run out of the door. One of them saw themselves prospering, and one of them saw me robbing them. But, all, but see, it's what they're seeing. 
I, I didn't put that image in their head. They got that image on their own. I just showed them what the Word of God said. You got to take it and do what you want to with it. And that's why 80% of the people on the earth, they aren't born again. They don't see it. It's for them and they don't see it. Healing's for you. Prosperity's for you. Do you see it? And how do you see it? All right. Go to Matthew 9. Am I doing okay? All right. Say, all of my prayers are going to get answered. Yeah, God's not withholding from us, but we're going to learn to make some adjustments right now. Matthew 9, verse 18. While he spoke these things, a ruler came and worshiped and said, my daughter has just died. Come lay your hand on her and she will live. What is he seeing? He sees her living, doesn't he? That's why he came to talk to Jesus because he sees that if this guy will pray for my daughter, she will live. All right, now he gets, he gets interrupted, but look, suddenly a woman who had a flow of about 12 years and came behind touched the hem of his garment, she said to herself, next week we're going to get into your mouth. God gave you a tongue that will help you with your mental image. Yes. You can talk yourself into it and you can talk yourself out of it. Yeah. Not up to God. It, let, me, let me stop right here. Let me, I'm going to ask you all a crazy question. When God made a cardinal that had never been, do you think he was shocked at what it looked like? No. Let's think about this for a second. How much water is in a cardinal's body? How much blood's in his body? How much does his bones weigh? How long are his wings? How big is his brain? How large is his eye? Do you understand that God thought in enormous detail before he ever said cardinal be? didn't he? Yeah. What about a human? Oh my God. The human body? Crazy. Our eyes, our ears, the way we look and see light, the way we, the way our brain works, that there's a part of our brain that works our heart automatically without us thinking. We are really crazy made. But before he made a man, I, I'm going to just guess, just throw crazy. I think he spent a billion years thinking it all through. So would you say that God is a deep thinker? Could that be why we're not getting prayers answered? Because we're not thinking deep. Yeah. We're thinking shallow. Well, I believe in healing. What scripture are you standing on? Uh, I think it's that one over there. You have no idea what you're talking about. Because you've never given it the thought you've got to give to it. The word paints a picture on your heart. 
No word, no picture. No picture, no answer to prayer. I'll come over here. Y'all are looking at me like, oh my God. And that's true. You know, now let's go back in time a little bit. Little boy, I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a fireman. He plays fireman. He plays fireman. What's he doing? He's using his imagination. And he's creating an image of himself. And that's the direction he will go. You too. He says in the book of Proverbs, as a man thinks, so he is. Whatever yours go, whatever's going on in your life right now, good, bad, and ugly, is totally what's going on in your head. Wow. Isn't that cool about God? I don't know if we've ever given that a lot of thought. So we've got to think about all the animals, the plants. Which plants die at frost? Which ones stay? Which ones grow in a week? Which ones take years? He is real smart. But he put a lot, a lot, a lot of thought into what he did. So here's my question. How much thought are we putting in? I want you, we're going to read this, and I want you to read it now in the light of what I said. How much thought do you think this woman put in to the statement she's fixing to make? She said to herself, if I touch his garment, I'll be made well. This, she didn't have a whim. She's been hearing about him. She's been hearing about the miracles. She's been contemplating this is the Messiah. So much so, she finally got a mental image in her. I'm getting healed. I don't have to be like this. I've seen doctors, but I'm getting a hold of that man of God right down there, and I'm coming home with my healing. It wasn't a whim. Now, I want you to notice this. Jesus didn't even know she was there. Wow, that'll blow your mind. Y'all are quiet. Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith made you well. Let me say something to you. Your faith can make you well. All right, now I'm going to say something here, and this is not to breed any kind of conviction or condemnation. Jesus made a statement in Luke 8, cares, riches, and pleasures. And, and you bring no fruit to um, fruition. We all have housework. We all have things. We have life. I mean, you got to get gas in your vehicle. You got to change the oil. You got to get up in the morning. You got to cook breakfast. You got to go to work and all that. And that demands a certain amount of time. But if that's all you think about, when you get in a situation where you need prayer answered, you have no seed in the ground. Now, any time you want to learn anything, you have learned going to school, going to college, you have learned you're going to put an effort into anything you want to know. Now, Kenny and I have flown airplanes before. I had to spend several years studying aviation, 
studying weather. What causes it? What, what, what causes the temperatures to change? Did you know that the sun does not heat the air, the earth does? Did you know the sun heats the dirt, the dirt heats the air? That's why it's colder up high and warmer down low. It's not the sun heating the earth, it's the earth heating the earth. That's why, that's where, that's where cumulus clouds come from, the uneven heating of the earth's surface. That's why you have the hurricanes coming out of Africa. The Sahara Desert's getting hot as blazes, and it's causing the, the air to lift, creating that lift, and then the earth is spinning under it, and it's called a hurricane as it comes around the corner. Now, all of that stuff, you can know it if you want to know it. But if you don't want to know, you, you'd just be going, hurricanes, I don't know what's happening. What is a hurricane? I don't know. Well, if you want to know, you, you, can, you can know if you want to know. Right. So here, listen to me. You want to know about how to walk in total health and never get sick? You can if you want to. Boy, that'll mess your life up. I just wanted to blame God. That's heavy, isn't it? You, you, can, you can get out of debt if you want to. You can walk in supernatural prosperity if you want to. How do you do it? Mark Hankins said he grew up poor, looked around his family and realized that he was waiting on someone to die until he realized everybody in his family dying and ain't got no money anyway. <laughs> so he thought that ain't the way it is. But he knew it was the will of God that he prosper, right? What he did was he went and he got every scripture on prosperity, and he meditated on it. Now, we're not talking about read it a little bit. We're talking about masticate the word. And that's where that big book he has came from. Not that he was doing a book for you. He was doing a book for himself. Because he had to get rid of a poverty mindset and realize that the Bible guarantees him prosperity. Well, when you're in a fight... You've got to have a guarantee that what you're hoping for is going to happen. Because then hope becomes fatalism. You know, well, you know, I don't want to get your hopes up. Well, I don't want you to get your hopes up either, but go ahead and get them up if you can find a scripture for it. Well, how do I know what I can believe for? Well, you get a dream and then see if you can find a scripture for it. If you can find a scripture then you have a guarantee you can have that. So then the word becomes proof you can have what you're thinking. But don't, but don't dump your dream. Satan is going to come after it. I'm adjusted doing my job. And the woman was made well from that hour. And Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy wailing. And he said, make room. The girl's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Now, I'm going to do something for you. I want to just stay right there. I'm going to go to Mark 5. You can go over there if you want to. I want to read this out of the other uh, book. Mark 5, 21. Let's read this. Um, and he came to the All right. Behold, one of the rural synagogues, Benjamin came to him and says, my daughter lies at the point of death. Lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. And anyway, a great multitude, certain woman with issue of blood, no, 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 no. Now, um, verse 35, while he was speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter's dead. 
don't trouble the teacher any further. Hopeless. Right? Wrong. Now, it just depends on how, how well do you know your covenant? See, when David met Goliath, everyone saw themselves dead but David. David saw Goliath dead. Now, why? Because he said, you uncircumcised Philistine, I'm going to cut your head off. He had been thinking and meditating on the blood covenant that he had with God, but he was probably the only one in Israel that had been thinking about it, and that thinking gave him the guarantee, I can kill you. But he saw Goliath dead. They saw themselves dead. Whenever news comes and you see yourself dead, it's because you don't see whatever it is God told you to see. You don't see yourself healed because you've never meditated on the Word of God. You, I am the healed. Do you understand? I am the healed. I have meditated on that to where that's what I am. I don't, I'm not, I, you will never hear me pray for healing. I don't need to pray for healing. I am healed. But that's real to me. Let me give you another one. In the book of Isaiah, it says, that, that the, the church would be rooted in righteousness. What does it mean to have your roots in righteousness? It means that somewhere along the line, this big tree is bigger below than it is on the surface, and it's got a root system that is going down into the earth, causing it to create an enormous amount of stability. There's no, it's not a shallow tree. When you and I meditate, and see, let me, let me back up a minute. You can't sit in church and hear me and go home and go, wasn't that good? And that's the last time you gave it thought. Yeah. Right. You, that's your fault, but that's why it, nothing's working for you. Amen. You didn't do that in college. You heard the professor and then you studied and studied and studied and studied for the test. You're going to have a test. You might fail it, you might pass it. That's up to you. But if you'll get rooted in righteousness, you'll pass all your tests. You'll pass them all. That means you got to get your scriptures out and masticate them. You know what I mean by that? You're going to tear it up. I mean, you're going to get them out and mark them, and you're going to read them, and you're going to study it until you know that you know that you know this subject. I, I, hey, listen, I know Christians who've been in church for 35, 40 years, and they couldn't find three scriptures to lead someone to the Lord. I didn't say anything about y'all, but I think I'd like to. You know why? You just don't give it any thought. That's why when you get in the hospital, you're wanting someone to bring a magic wand in there and get you out. It's probably not going to happen. Don't shout me down. Thank you, boy, y'all. Amen. Hallelujah. Is there a responsibility on you? Yes, yes there is. You remember, the, you, remember, you remember when Jesus went to um, 
Mary and Martha's house, and she came out there, and she started hollering at Jesus and says, you know, make your sister get up and help me out with this housework. I mean, my God. He says, honey, you got housework all the time. I'm at your house right now talking to you about the Bible. Sit down and shut up and listen to me. You know what? There's always housework. You got to have some times you just sit down and shut up and get your Bible out. And you start learning this thing. A lot more than you know. Learn it, it'll work every time. Every time. Every time. Isn't that good? That's good news. Some of y'all going, not for us lazy folks. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah, I did. Um, go to Mark 9. Start with verse 14. When he, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, scribes disputing with them. And immediately when he saw them, when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and ran to him and greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one in the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes with his teeth, and becomes rigid. I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they couldn't. All right, let's stop. Have they been casting devils out up until now? Yes, yes they have. Now, here's the trick question. Do they believe in healing? They do. So something's wrong. He's, he's going to give us an answer right here. That will really help us out. Now, he brought and said, listen, I brought them to your disciples. They've been out doing this for, for maybe months now. Casting devils out, whole nine yards. I'm going to go ahead and give you the, the end of it. They were looking at the devil. And it hindered their faith. Now I'm going to go, that's, that's the answer to the question. But let's see what Jesus said to them. Now listen, because what he said to them was exactly the opposite of what you hear in church preached. He answered and said to them, you just don't understand that every once in a while God does these things just so that. Now I'm going to show you this. He, he's fixing to chew them out. Sweet Jesus. You know, I think when we meet him, you're going to be shocked. He's Lord. He's King. He has a certain expectation for us. Look at what he says. He answered and said to him, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? I have showed you this and showed you this and showed you this. And he blamed them for the guy not being healed. That's pretty heavy, guys. There's a lot of things happening and it's our fault. That's hard. To, see, nobody wants to hear it. It ain't my fault. Jesus just said it is. 
They brought him to him, and when he saw him, the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Satan's always going to try to get your attention in the natural. And he asked his father, how long has it been happening to him? He said, from childhood. And, and often he has thrown him both in the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And Jesus turned to that dad and said, what in the Sam Hill do you mean if I can do something? And then he said, if you can believe it. Where is he throwing responsibility back on? The parent. You come up and ask me if I can do anything. Who do you think you are? Let me tell you something, cowboy. You want this boy of yours delivered? I'm going to say it to you and say it to you strong. Can you believe God with me right now? He is throwing the responsibility for his child's deliverance back on the dad. Let's stop right here and tell the story. Norval Hayes had a daughter with warts all over her body. And Norval raised in a Baptist church. That Thank God for Baptist. And he went to God and he says, oh God, my daughter has these warts. And he just started praying for God to heal her and praying for God to heal her and praying for God to heal her. And year after year, nothing happened. And one day Norval was praying and the Lord said, Norval, how long are you going to put up with the warts on your daughter's body? And Norval being a good Baptist said, God, that's what I'm trying to talk to you about. Folks, listen to me. That's a religious spirit that started with Calvinism, that everything that happens, good, bad, and ugly, God has a hand in it. It's a lie from hell. God gave you dominion. Don't shout me down. How many people are going to hell? Whose fault is that? It's not God's. How many people sick? Everybody that's sick, it's not God. God would have, if it was up to God, everyone would be healed. But it's not up to God, it's up to you. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Jesus tells you that right here in the scripture. I mean, he gets on this man. How long are you going to put up with this in your home? Boy, that would get you kicked out of churches. If you can believe all things are possible to him who believes it. Immediately the father of the child cried and said with tears, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. He's talking about in his heart he believes, but his head screaming and he's going, okay, I got that. And Jesus saw the people running. He rebuked the unclean spirit and said, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you. He didn't even pray for the guy. As a matter of fact, he never prayed for anybody. Oh, boy. And the spirit cried one more time to let him know that he didn't like this. And he convulsed him greatly and came out of him and he became his one dead. So he said, he's dead. You think that moved Jesus? Absolutely not. Now, you, now we're going, oh, we got to get into this. Okay. And Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. He arose. And when he came to his house, his disciples says, why couldn't we get him out? He said, this kind comes out by pr nothing but prayer and fasting. Is he telling them that they needed to pray more often and do without food? No. What is prayer and fasting? When you spend time alone with God, the Holy Spirit, the, the language of the Holy Spirit is dreams and visions. 
The Holy Spirit will take the word and paint a picture in your soul. Do you see, do you see that boy of yours healed? That's how faith works. God said, bird be. That's how faith works. Once, now prayer and fasting means nothing more. When's the last time you got alone with the word until the spirit of God could paint victory on your soul? Are you allowing God to paint a picture of victory on you? Or are you so busy goofing off that God, you never have time with God? Now, see, that, this is a major thing. This is major. That's what, that's what meditating in the Word does. It's not, it's not that you get a certain amount of time before God, and then He finally gives you a little star, and then you go off with a little brownie star to the store and get you a, a prize. One healing and two Holy Spirits and a, and a raise at work. You don't, that's not the way God operates. When you spend time with God, He's constantly painting on your heart Victory. The word is pain. You go from glory to glory to glory. The more you look in this word, the more you see who you are, the more you see that healing belongs to me, the more you see prosperity belongs to me, the more you realize I will live and not die, the more you realize I got authority over all the worst in the enemy, the more you realize that I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out, and Abraham's blessings are mine. Hallelujah. I see it, Jesus. I see that. Glory to God. My children will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. My prayers get answered. Prayers of a man in right standing with God makes tremendous power available. That's faith. You can tell when I hadn't been reading my Bible. I don't know what we're going to do. Faith comes by hearing. Not just, but see, but you got to see it. The, 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 the Bible was written so the words will paint a picture to you. I started seeing myself preaching when I first got saved. The Holy Spirit started showing me myself preaching. I, I couldn't even afford a 10-cent Coke, and I saw myself traveling around the world. I saw it. I saw it. I started seeing myself when in my bed at night, years before I ever laid my hands on another human, I saw myself praying for people and them getting healed. I saw myself praying for people. I used to lay in bed and preach the gospel and nobody was there but me in the pillow. What's going on in me? There's God is birthing something inside of me. Every time he can start that birthing process, Paul Youngie Cho says, you're getting pregnant with the word. You got to get pregnant with healing. I am the righteousness of God. How dare you even think about putting that on me? Who do you think you are? Do you not know who I am? But that's not what I'm hearing from people in the world. The only place I knew, I'm not learning that from people. My God, people will rip you up from here. I found it here. The more of this you got, the more victory you're going to have. Because, because y'all are getting this. You're like, I'm getting it. My God, this is good. This is, a, this is a process. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Crops don't grow in a day. Victory doesn't grow in a day. Well, 
Mark 9, 14. Let's, let's, let's see this. I want to see where I am. I read that. Okay. Um, go to Matthew 14. Oh, y'all, y'all are getting this. You're like, oh, my God. It, 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 what you're doing with your life every day has everything to do with you getting your prayers answered. Amen. You can't just go through life and go, I'm a good Christian, I love Jesus, and then get in trouble and go, someone, please go to Disney and get a wand and get me out of this mess. Because you're in the hospital and you see yourself dead. When I was in, when I was in Texas and they opened me up and found out that I was full of gangrene, I don't know that I even cared because I was working on Wednesday's sermon. I know that sounds crazy to y'all, but I don't, I, I got a sermon to get. They did a study of people who lived over a hundred. You want to know what they said? One of them was a heathen woman who, who worked as in a bar in Louisiana in in, um, in New, New Orleans. And they said, why, why have, what do you attribute to living so long? She said, I have one more song I want to write. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? She, she's, she's so busy thinking and dreaming, she ain't got time to die. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody they interviewed over 100 was not done living. They, they, they had dreams and visions. You know, I'm 65. But I'm, I, I don't look at or act it, and I know I don't. And I'm going to be honest with you. I get around guys that are 65, and I go home, and I go, Lisa, that old man. And she goes, honey, they're the same age as you. I go, well, they look terrible. I think age is nothing but a mind thing. I mean, I am just not, I'm just not going down that road. I'm just not ready for the cart in Walmart. I ain't sitting in that thing. I got things I want to do with my life and I'm, and I'm just in rebellion because I don't see it. I don't see it. Every once in a while, I look in the mirror and I go, Lisa, there's a man in the bedroom and he's really overweight. She goes, baby, that, that's, a, that's a mirror. Well, that's not the way I see myself. So she says, well, you need to start looking more on the outside like you see on the inside right now because you. No, she doesn't really say that. I'm teasing. But do, y'all, but do y'all see what I'm saying? Why couldn't the children of Israel go in the promised land? They saw themselves dying. I mean, that's been God's number one problem since the garden. What do you see the exact opposite? God can't get them to move. Faith is to move you. All right, where was I told you to go? Matthew 14, 25. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And the disciples saw him walking on the sea. And they were troubled and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus said, no, it's be of good cheer. It's not, you know, don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter came out of the boat, he walked on the water. He did. But when he saw the wind, what does the wind have to do with anything? Come on, I'm preaching real good. What's the wind have to do with it? What was he see? He saw Jesus. 
Then he saw himself, and then he saw the word come. He saw it. He saw it. And when he acted on the word of God, it worked. Even though you might think it's impossible, but he saw it. And then the wind and the waves hit his legs. And he went, this is not normal. He got his eyes off Jesus. This is such a simple, simple, simple story. And everything you're dealing with right now is because Satan's constantly hollered at you going, have you seen the doctor's report lately? We're not in denial. I just don't think that I'm going to let it rule me. Lift, I believe in gravity, but lift is stronger. Life is stronger than death. And life is stronger than sickness. Amen. When I went there, to, I went in the hospital, and um, when Tom was in the hospital, the, the doctor said something about congestive heart failure. And I looked at him and I said, I had congestive heart failure. And he said, you're lucky. I said, excuse me. He said, it's the pills that cured you. And I said to him, how many people y'all give those pills? He said, we give them to everybody but it only works on 10% of the people. He said, you're one of the lucky 10%. And I said, so the pills worked on me. It didn't work on the other 90, so maybe it wasn't the pill. He said, oh, it's the pill. I said, it's the God's pill. Raised me up. I am the heal. But see what, but there's a scripture with long life. I'll satisfy you, right? Do I have that? Yes. Well, that's what I'm looking at. Yes. Now, is it hard to constantly look at that when the doctor and your body said, yes, it is. Yes. That's called fight, the good fight of faith, because you've got two points of view fighting with you. Yes. Amen. And, I, and listen, it's not easy to do. It, wouldn't we like it if it was just easy, just lay down and I'm just believing God. I'm just believing God. Not with that frowny face you're not. All right, now, now, when he saw the wind, he was afraid of what? Sinking. And he began to sink, and he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and said, well, you know, it's okay. You did all right. No, no, he didn't either. He rebuked him. Oh, you a little faith, why did you doubt? Why I said come. What, what part of come did you not get? Next Sunday morning, I'm going to talk to you about being led by the Holy Spirit. And everything that God has ever said to me, he's given me a vision of where I'm going. And when he gave me the vision... I didn't, I've never had the money, the resources, or the ability to do what he showed me to do. It came because I received the vision. When you accept the mental image, the resources will come. And not until then. Okay, don't, don't stay home and say, I got the whole thing the other night in one sentence. All right, Proverbs 4, 20. Let's go over there. Everybody say, I'm doing good. All right. My son, my daughter, 
give attention, strict, strict attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not, say do not. Do not let them depart from in front of your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart for their life to those that find them and health to all your flesh and keep your heart with all diligence out of it springs the issues of life. How often does that work? Every time. There is no casual faith. When, when, Jill, when Jill Jansginski was here, we went out to lunch with her, and she says, I, I help women on the street that are coming out of the street life. And she made a statement to them. You've got to renounce Satan if you're going to live for God. You, I mean, you've got to turn from this life 100%. If you want to be free, you renounce everything, drugs, prostitution, bitterness, anger. You get it out of you, all of it out of you, or you're not going to make it. How many people are trying to live for God with a little bit of Jesus? It don't work, guys. And yet they're coming in here and wanting to know why their prayers aren't working. Don't shout me down. He said, attend to my words. He didn't say just healing scriptures. You can get healed reading. You, you just need to attend to the whole word of God and start feeding on it and keep it in front of your eyes all the time. I have Mark Hankins, Rick Renner in my phone. I got Kenneth e. Hagen in my iPad in my truck. I've got three books on the couch and a Bible and I wake up praying in the Holy Ghost. Lisa and I talk the Word of God, pray every day, read the Bible every day. And I've been doing that since the day I got saved. I didn't, someone says, do you listen to country western music? It's not that I'm against it. I just hadn't had time. But that might be why when, my, when I had my appendix rupture and I was full of gangrene, by Wednesday I was back preaching. I didn't, I, I'm not bragging on me. I didn't do, I really didn't feel like I had any faith. But I didn't wait until then to get any. I've been working on this thing for a long time. So they stick me in the hospital. And they, I, listen, here's, I'm going to just tell you the story real quick. I'm up in my bedroom and I get this pain. I mean, it feels like someone took a fillet knife and ran it right up into my gut just and, and turned it. And I went, that hurts. And I thought I needed a pill to go to the bathroom. I thought, no, I thought, Oh, I'm bad shape, bad. I mean, I'm constipated, bad, something terrible. And so I went in there and went to the bathroom, and the Lord said, "Appendix." He didn't go into he didn't, he didn't go into great detail. And I went in there and I started praying, and I'm hurting. He says, "Call an ambulance." I said, "Okay." So I went downstairs. I packed my bags. Now they're ruptured, they're busted. Packing bags, I don't have a fever. I'm not throwing up. I just hurt. Went downstairs, walked up. I said, I need you to call me an ambulance. And they said, what's wrong? And I said, well, I don't feel good. And he says, okay, Mr. Morgan, is it the flu? And I said, I don't think so. So an ambulance came and they sat me down and says, is it the flu? And I said, I don't think so. 
So they said, okay. And they took me to the hospital and they put me on a gurney and shoved me in a room, closed the door. <laughs> because, you know, if you count it all joy, there can't be much wrong with you. Right. I found out, don't count it all joy in a hospital. That's just not good. <laughs> so finally I hollered at him because, I mean, I heard like, oh, I heard, I, this is really, really a bad pain. And I'm pretty pain tolerant, but this is getting pretty bad. And so I told him, I said, if I check myself in the hospital, something's wrong. Because I don't go to hospitals. So finally they called me and I said, I need something. You know, knock me out, do something. I mean, this is hurting. So the next day the doctor knocked me out. And, and then when I came to, he said, Mr. Morgan, you are in real bad shape. I said, I told you. He said, we didn't believe you. He said, nobody with your condition walks in a hospital. Don't walk in a hospital. Your appendix ruptured and you're completely full of gangrene. This has been in you a long time. He just decided to start hurting. So he took a vacuum cleaner, went to, went to Home Depot. And got a little, That's what he told me. He says, we just cleaned you out, just sucked everything out that wasn't any good. And so he told me, he says, we've got to keep you here a long time. I said, well, i got to go to work. He said, you are in bad shape. I said, well, did you get everything? He said, yes. I said, have you done all you can do? He says, yes. I said, I want to go home. He said, well, you're not going home. I said, well, I want to go home. So he closed the door, and I said, in Jesus' name, I'm going home. Well, I bugged him for about two days, and finally he said, all right, put a patch on me. Uh, I didn't know I was going to swell up like I was pregnant. <laughs> put me on an airplane, shipped me home. Um, what day was that, Monday? I think Monday. Well, by Wednesday, I came in. I, I, of course, I'm at home working on sermon. Why? Why, I got a church. I'm, trying, I'm saying this to help you because 99% of y'all be home crying and whining and feeling sorry for yourself and watching as the stomach turns. <laughs> That's why you see yourself sick, you see yourself sicker, and you have a mental image of yourself almost dead and everybody you've called, you've told them about your problem, and everybody between here and Alaska knows you're having a bad day. Well, that's why I didn't tell y'all, because I don't need y'all talking about pastors almost dead. <laughs> I don't need all that agreement. So I walked in here Wednesday night, and I was feeling pretty good by then. And everybody said, what are you doing here? And I said, I work here. And they said, well, I thought you had appendix rupture. I said, I did. Well, why are you here? I said, I work here. I said, what do you guys think I'm preaching? And you get a toe ache, we don't see you for a week. I'm preaching real good, and y'all are looking at me like a dog in a new bowl. Because you're rooted in sickness. You're rooted in it. You believe in it. It's, that's more real to you than God, the Bible, and all the angels. Don't shut me down. It takes time to do this. Okay, let me... Give attention to my words, incline your ear. You need to hear what he's saying. Don't let them depart from your eyes. You keep in the midst of your heart. Their life, their health to all your flesh. The word of God will keep you healthy. Just meditate. It'll just keep you healthy. All right. All right. The problem, how deep do you dream? How deep do you dream? 
how deep do you think? Most people don't think very deep. Let's think about that for a minute. We're running out of time. I got four minutes left. I'm going to use all of it. How deep are you thinking about the redemption Jesus died and gave you? He made you a king. How deep do you think about that? He made you as righteous as God. How deep do you think about that? He gave you authority over all the devils of hell. How deep do you think about that? You might want to think about that for a while. Every man that's ever walked this earth that's given thought to that has cast out devils, raised the dead, and healed the sick, and, and done miracles. The only difference between you and other people is the way you're thinking. As a man thinks, so he is. All right. I'm, I'm only on page one, so I'm just now getting started. If the Bible does not change the way you think, it'll never change your life. Now, I'm, I got a lot of other things in here that I wanted to share, but if it's not changing the way you think, and it should constantly be changing the way you think. Once you get a victory, you're there and you go, I think I'm going to think a little bigger. I'm going to think a little higher. I've prayed for estimate maybe a thousand people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But I've studied it and I've thought about it and I've read every scripture in the Bible on the subject hundreds of times. I don't have a shadow of a doubt. I've pointed at people in the street speaking tongues and they start talking. But I haven't done that with dead people yet. You could. Andrew Walmack said he started studying raising from the dead. He studied it and studied it and studied it. And then one day his son died. It was so real to him, he went to the morgue and opened up the, the drawer and raised his son from the dead. Not because he's got a Bible school. But he said, I had been studying that subject for over a year. I've been reading all those scriptures. As a Baptist, he started reading on healing. He got interested. He says, I want to know about this. I want to know about this. Are y'all getting this? If you want to know, the Holy Spirit is only showing you what you want to know. Now, let me give you one more story real fast. Do you remember when Jesus was walking on the water? It said he would have passed by. Do you remember when they were on the road to Emmaus? It says, and he would have continued. Now listen to me very carefully. If you act like the scriptures are not interesting, he will walk on by. He won't teach you something you don't want to know. He won't even bother with you. He's not cramming the word down your throat. But the moment you desire it, you turn your desires to it. The Holy Spirit will take you from that point and teach you everything Jesus said about that subject. 
Isn't that wild? So what does it mean when it says there's nothing impossible to him who believes? I would like to say it this way. There's nothing impossible to the man who can finally see it. If you can get to where you can see it, you can have it. So I put a sign up out there. If you can't see what you can't see, you'll never see it. That's why I wrote that and put it in the foyer for y'all. But if I can get you to see it. Now, I got one more real fast. It bothers me that Kenneth Copeland is still blackheaded. And he has all of his hair. But he sees something I hadn't seen yet. Am I right? Am I right? And I've been thinking about that. If my hairs are numbered, there's no reason for an angel to keep following me around and subtracting. That's true, isn't it, though? His hair is as black. He, he, he's not graying because he's chose not to. He found the scriptures, and he meditated on them until he got that in him, and it worked. And I'm thinking, well, that works for your hair. <laughs> when Lisa and I when we got married, the only confession around our house was we have boys, boys, and more boys. That's all we ever said. We have boys, boys, and more boys. And we had boys and boys, and then finally it jumped on Che, and she had boys. And it, it works, guys. It, it works. Come on. Are you all ready for next week? We're going to talk about your mouth, and then we're going to get into your mouth. How you can actually turn. Now it says in the book of James, a double-minded, minded man is unstable in all his ways. That, that means two points of reference. If you have two points, you go nowhere. You're not going anywhere. You've got to choose the, what Jesus said or what this said. You've got to make that choice. Yes. You say, what if it don't work? Well, you die. <laughs> or you go on, whatever, right? That's called fear. Did you learn anything? Yes. All right, I'm going to recommend a book. Andrew Womack wrote this book, and it's on the subject I preached tonight. It's called Don't Limit God. Imagine yourself successful. This is a powerful little book. Now, I didn't get my sermon out of it because he goes a different direction than me. He does use that one scripture. But it's, it's only been in the last 10 years I've ever heard anybody preach on this because people would come up and say, are you talking about that positive thinking stuff? Well, what would the opposite of that be? Negative thinking must be okay. Amen. So I don't think negative at all, if I get a negative thought, I just get it out and replace it. I didn't say that was easy. Are y'all ready? Everybody learn anything? Say, my best days are ahead. I can see it. Amen. Father God, thank you for the word of God. Now, I just thank you that everybody in this room, I just seal this word in our hearts that this is not just a message we heard and that was cute and in the next week we've forgotten it. Let this start becoming alive to us as we learn that there's a lot to our desires. You use our desires. You need them. And we need hope again. And Father, there's people here, they, they stop dreaming. They're afraid. 
And I'm going to ask you to give them the courage to start dreaming big, thinking big, and let their imagination run, and then find scriptures for it. And Father God, do things that with their life that they up until now, they've, they wouldn't even think about. But there's, their best days are ahead. I say that. Their best days are ahead of us. And I give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.